For the Love of Books by Michael Austin. Today we're continuing with Little Women, and we are in the middle of Chapter 9, Meg Goes to Vanity Fair. When the evening for the small party came, she found that the poplin wouldn't do at all. For the girls were putting on thin dresses and making themselves very fine indeed. So out came the tartlin, looking older, limper, and shabbier than ever, besides Sally's Cripp's new one. Meg saw the girls glance at it, and then at another, and her cheeks began to burn. For all her gentleness, she was very proud. No one said a word about it, but Sally offered to dress her hair, and Annie to tie her sash, and Belle, the engaged sister, praised her white arms. But in her kindness, Meg saw only pity for her poverty, and her heart felt very heavy as she stood by herself. While the others laughed, chattered, flew, and flew about like gauzy butterflies. The hard, bitter feeling was getting pretty bad when the maid brought in a box of flowers. Before she could speak, Annie had the cover off, and all were exclaiming at the lovely roses, heath, and fern within. It's for Belle, of course. George always sends her some. But these are altogether ravishing, cried Annie, with a great sniff. They're for Miss March, the man said. And here's a note, put in the maid, holding it to Meg. What fun! Who are they from? Didn't know you had a lover, cried the girls, fluttering about Meg in the hate or in the high state of curiosity and surprise. The note is from mother and the flowers from Lori, said Meg simply yet much gratified that he had not forgotten her. Oh, indeed, said Annie with a funny look as Meg slipped the note into her pocket as a sort of talisman against envy, vanity, and false pride, for the few loving words had done her good and the flowers cheered her up by their beauty. Feeling almost happy again, she laid by a few ferns and roses for herself and quickly made up the rest into dainty bouquets for the breasts, hair, or skirts of her friends, offering them so prettily that Clara, the elder sister, told her she was the sweetest little thing she ever saw, and they looked quite charmed with her small attention. Somehow the kind act finished her despondency, and when all the rest went to show themselves to Mrs. Moffat, she saw a happy, bright-eyed face in the mirror, as she laid her ferns against her rippling hair and fastened the roses in the dress that didn't strike her as so very shabby now. She enjoyed herself very much that evening, for she danced to her heart's content. Everyone was very kind, and she had three compliments. Annie made her sing, and someone said she had a remarkably fine voice. Major Lincoln asked who, who the fresh little girl with the beautiful eyes was, Mr. Moffat insisted on dancing with her because she didn't dawdle, but had some spring in her, as she gracefully expressed it. So altogether, she had a very nice time, till she overheard a bit of conversation, which disturbed her extremely. She was sitting just inside the conservatory, waiting for her partner to bring her an ice, when she heard a voice ask on the other side of the flowery wall, How old is she? Sixteen or seventeen, I should say, replied another voice. It would be a grand thing for one of those girls, wouldn't it? Sally says. They are very intimate now, and the old man quite 
dotes on them. Mrs. M has made her plans, I dare say, and will play her cards well, early as it is. The girl evidently doesn't think of it yet, said Mrs. Moffat. She told that fib about her mama, as if she did know, and colored up when the flowers came quite prettily. Poor thing. She'd be so nice if she only got up in style. Do you think she'd be offended if we offered to lend her a dress for Thursday? asked another voice. She's proud, but I don't believe she'd mind, for that dowdery tartlin is all she has got. She may tear it tonight, and that will be a good excuse for offering a decent one. Here Meg's partner appeared to find her looking much flushed and rather agitated. She was proud, and her pride was useful just then, for it helped her hide her mortification, anger, and disgust at what she had just heard. For innocent and unsuspicious as she was, she could not help understanding the gossip of her friends. She tried to forget it, but could not, and kept repeating herself, Mrs. M has made her plans, that fib about her mama, and Darty Tartlin, till she was ready to cry and rush home to tell her troubles and ask for advice. As that was impossible, she did her best to seem gay, and being rather excited, she succeeded so well that no one dreamed what an effort she was making. She was very glad when it was all over and she was quiet in her bed, where she could think and wonder and fume till her head ached and her hot cheeks were cooled by a few natural tears. Those foolish yet well-meant words had opened a new world for Meg and much disturbed the peace of the old one in which till now she had lived as happily as a child. Her innocent friendship with Lori was spoiled by the silly speeches she had overheard. Her faith in her mother was a little shaken by the worldly plans attributed to her by Mrs. Moffat, who judged others by herself in the sensible resolution to be contented with the simple wardrobe which suited a poor man's daughter was weakened by the unnecessary pity of girls who thought a shabby dress one of the greatest calamities under heaven. Poor Meg had a restless night and got up heavy-eyed, unhappy, half-resentful toward her friends and half-ashamed of herself for not speaking up frankly and setting everything right. Everybody dawdled that morning, and it was noon before the girls ever before the girls found energy enough even to take up their worst work. Something in the manner of her friends struck Meg at once. They treated her with more respect, she thought, took quite a tender interest in what she said and looked at her with eyes that plainly betrayed curiosity. All this surprised and flattered her, though she did not understand it till Miss Bell looked up from her writing and said with a sentimental air, Daisy, dear, I've seen an invitation to your, f I've sent an invitation to your friend, Mr. Lawrence, for Thursday. We should like to know him, and it's only a proper compliment to you. Meg colored, but a mischievous fancy to tease the girls made her reply demur demurely. You are very kind, but I'm afraid he won't come. Why not, Sherry? said Miss Bell. He's too old. My child, what do you mean? "'What is his age? I beg to know,' cried Miss Clara. "'Nearly seventeen, I believe,' answered Meg, "'counting stitches to hide the merriment in her eyes. "'You sly creature, of course we meant the young man,' "'exclaimed Miss Bell, laughing. 
There isn't any. Laurie is only a little boy. And Meg laughed also at the queer look which the sisters exchanged as she thus described her supposed lover. About your age, Nan said. Nearer my sister Joe's. I'm 17 in August, returned Meg, tossing her head. It's very nice of him to send you flowers, isn't it? said Auntie Annie, looking wise about nothing. Yes, he often does to all of us, for their house is full, and we are so fond of them. My mother and old Mr. Lawrence are friends, you know, so it is quite natural that we children should play together, and Meg hoped they would say no more. It's evident, Daisy, isn't it out yet? said Miss Clara to Belle with a nod. Quite a pastoral state of innocence all around, returned Miss Bell with a shrug. I'm going to go out and get some little matters for my girls. Can I do anything for you, young ladies? asked Mrs. Moffat, lumbering in like an elephant in silk and lace. No, thank you, ma'am, replied Sally. I've got my new silk, my new pink silk for Thursday and don't want a thing. Nor I, begged Meg, but stopped because it occurred to her that she did want several things and could not have them. What shall you wear? asked Sally. My old white one again, if I can mend it fit to be seen. It got sadly torn last night, said Meg, trying to speak quite easily, but feeling very uncomfortable. Why don't you send home for another, said Sally, who was not an observing young lady. I haven't got another. It cost Meg an effort to say that, but Sally did not see it and exclaimed in amiable surprise. Only that? How funny. She did not finish her speech, for Belle shook her head at her and broke in, saying kindly, Not at all. Where's the use of having a lot of dresses when she isn't out yet? There's no need for sending home, Daisy, even if you had a dozen, for I've got a sweet blue silk laid away, which I've outgrown, and you shall wear it to please me, won't you, dear? You're very kind, but I don't mind my old dress if you don't. It does well enough for a little girl like me, said Meg. Now do let me please myself by dressing you up in style. I admire to do it, and you'd be a regular little beauty with a touch here and there. I shan't let anyone see you till you are done. And then we'll burst upon them like Cinderella and her godmother going to the ball, said Belle in her persuasive tone. Meg, Meg couldn't refuse the offer, so kindly made, for a desire to see if she would be a little beauty after touching up caused her to accept and forget all her formal uncomfortable feelings toward Mrs. Moffat. On the Thursday evening, Belle shut herself up with her maid, and between them they turned Meg into a fine lady. They crimpled and curled her hair. They polished her neck and arms with some fragrant powder, touched her lips with coralline salve to make them redder, and Hortense would have added a spooncon of rouge if Meg had not rebelled. They laced her hair into a sky blue I'm sorry, they laced her hair into a sky blue dress, which was so tight she could hardly breathe, and so low in the neck that modest Meg blushed at herself in the mirror. A set of silver filigree was added, bracelets, necklace, brooch, and even earrings, for Hortense tied them on with a bit of pink silk which did not show. A cluster of tea rosebuds at the bosom and a rotch reconciled Meg 
to the display of her beauty. White shoulders and a pair of high-heeled silk boots satisfied the last wish of her heart. A lace handkerchief, a plummy fan, and a bouquet in the shoulder holder finished her off, and Miss Bell surveyed her with the satisfaction of a little girl with a newly dressed doll. Mademoiselle is charmante, très jolie, is she not? cried Hortense, clasping her hands in an affected rapture. Come and show yourself, said Miss Bell, leading the way to the room where, their other, where the others were waiting. As Meg went rustling after with her long skirts trailing, her earrings tinkled and her curls waving, and her heart beating, she felt as if her fun had really begun at last, for the mirror had plainly told her that she was a little beauty. Her friends repeated the pleasing phrase enthusiastically, and for several minutes she stood like a jackdaw in the fable, enjoying her borrowed plumes, while the rest chattered like a party of magpies. While I dress, do you drill her, Nan, in the management of her skirt and those French heels, or she will trip herself up? Take your silver butterfly and catch up that long curl on the left side of her head, Clara, and don't any of you disturb the charming work of my hands, said Belle, as she hurried away looking well pleased with her success. You don't look a bit like yourself, but you're very nice. I'm nowhere beside you, for Belle has heaps of taste, and you quite French, I assure you. Let your flowers hang. Don't be so careful of them, and be sure you don't trip, returned Sally, trying not to care that Meg was prettier than herself. Keeping that warning carefully in mind, Margaret got safely downstairs and sailed into the drawing rooms where the Moffats and a few early guests were assembled. She very soon discovered that there is a charm about fine clothes which attracts a certain class of people and secures their respect. Several young ladies who had taken no notice of her before were very affectionate all of a sudden. Several young gentlemen who had only start, stared at her at the other party now not only stared but asked to be introduced and said all manner of foolish but agreeable things to her and several old ladies who sat on the sofas and criticized the rest of the party inquired who she was with an air of interest. She heard Mrs. Moffat's reply to one of them. Daisy March, father a colonel in the army, one of our first families, but re reverses of fortune, you know. Intimate friends of the Lawrences, sweet creature, I assure you. My net is quite wild about her. Dear me, said the old lady, putting up her glass for another observation to Meg, who tried to look as if she had not heard and been rather shocked at Mrs. Moffat's fibs. The queer feeling did not pass away, but she imagined herself acting the new part of a fine lady and soon got pretty well on. Though the tight dress gave her a side ache, the train kept getting under her feet, and she was in a constant fear lest her earrings should fly off and get lost or broken. She was flirting her fan and laughing at the feeble jokes of a young gentleman who tried to be witty when she suddenly stopped laughing and looked confused for just opposite she saw Lori. 
He was staring at her with undisguised surprise and disapproval also, she thought, for though he bowed and smiled, yet something in his honest eyes made her blush and wish she had her old dress on. To complete her confusion, she saw Belle nudge Annie and both glanced from her to Lori, who she was happy to see looked unusually boyish and shy. Silly creatures to put such thoughts into my head. I won't care for it or let it change me a bit, thought Meg, and rustled across the room to shake hands with her friend. I'm glad you came. I was afraid you wouldn't, she said with her most grown-up air. Joe wanted me to come and tell her how you looked, so I did, answered Lori, without turning his eyes upon her, though he half smiled at her maternal tone. What shall you tell her, asked Meg, full of curiosity to know his opinion of her, yet feeling ill at ease with him for the first time. I shall say I didn't know you, for you look so grown up and unlike yourself. I'm quite afraid of you, he said, fumbling at his glove button. How absurd of you. The girls dressed me up for fun. I rather like it. Wouldn't Joe stare if she saw me, said Meg, bent on making him say whether he thought her 